0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. Today's guest is Dalu. Dalu has been an internet friend of mine for quite some time. Uh, we've kind of circled in the same soul circles so to speak Uh, and i finally after a long time of going back and forth he was able to come onto the podcast that was mostly my fault by the way my waiting list is entirely too long Uh, so it was exciting to sit down and talk to him about his souls experience and his massive amount of time uh, in demon souls and bloodborne so i think that this is going to be an interesting perspective on the souls games so check it out and i hope you enjoy it
1: i read that blog it was more of a uh cartoonish uh political cartoon almost in the way like how people were just so nasty to each other in such a it, in such a game it, may, it, it was kind of interesting to say at least because uh, up until i started playing the souls games i've never ever not once have i ever gotten hate mail from like another person on in any multiplayer capacity
0: me me too That was one of the reasons I started that blog, is because I had played online games. Like, I wasn't a huge online gamer or anything, but I started, you know, Dark Souls was the first game that I got really into engaging with the multiplayer aspect of. of, And all of a sudden, I started getting all of this weird and crazy language of people calling me horrible names because I. And at the time, like, I wasn't even, it wasn't even like a try hard kind of build. I just liked using magic. <laughs> like, I thought it was fun. <laughs> so, and just having people call me the worst names possible because of all of that stuff was really bizarre. And it was the first time that ever happened to me. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I can only imagine my first in, like, my first introduction to like souls and everything like that was, was demon souls. Well, more than anything. And that was, like, in, like, 2013, I think. And I, of course, the servers being almost nearly dead at that time, I didn't really have too many invaders, but I did get, like, a few. And I felt no inclination to basically get uh, the show, send some hate their way. Of course, once Bloodborne came out, that was the first Souls game I managed to get in, like, day one. So I was able to experience, like, that, that, wonder, that wonderful, like, Overabundance of like a server uh, population, I guess. And I got a few hate, uh, pieces of hate mail at that time. And I sometimes wonder, like, what were people's, what were people, what, what what gets a person to go so mad that they would actually start sending hate mail at someone in the game, especially because someone for me who's played that game so much, I was like, it's, this game's really not that hard. But then again, with an invader in there, I guess it must be because they're scared. So.
0: Yeah the the idea of somebody sending it send it in hate mail um, is just it's so preposterous to me like the the fact that you would like want to tell somebody that you know you're 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 a piece of shit or or whatever because of a of a weird video game thing uh, just is it's still to this day very it I just don't understand it. Like I, the the idea of sitting in your house and losing a fight or even winning a fight and then sending somebody a piece of hate mail to call them like a a a, a bad name is just so yeah. preposterous. It's so out there for me. I'm curious, uh like how did you you said your first game was Demon's Souls. How did you kind of find out about Demon's Souls? What what got you to play it?
1: Um I first heard about Demon Souls from a podcast, from an old podcast from like and i'm going to give a shout out to this guy um his name was david turner he was on a final fantasy 13 podcast way back in the day and he has his uh i think his site is still around at net, but um he was a he was a, somebody who kept talking about final fantasy and stuff like that but one time he ever talked about something different he talked about this hard, super super hard cane called demon souls and it was just a name for the longest time, and then I re- and then over time, as I eventually got a PS3, uh, I fell into Demon Souls because it eventually came on PS Plus. So, and I think that's a lot one way how a lot of people got into Demon Souls because it ended up being free on PS PS Plus, so everybody might have like tried it at one point or another. So there was this one time I wanted to just try like decided, like, I'm going to just try something new and play Demon's Souls. And initially, I hated the game. Like, I couldn't figure out why people liked the game. I knew going into it was supposedly super hard and, like, very weird and obtuse. But I couldn't figure out the game. And it took me a month, a solid month, to even get out of World 1. And I couldn't even... And even then, I still couldn't figure out what the game was about, essentially. Mm Mm-hmm. And after I finally beat the fir- got through the first area, I said, I'm going to at least beat the game as far as like this first level, and then I'm never going to touch this game ever again. <laughs> I'm going to get at least <laughs> one trophy because I feel this game des- uh, uh, owes, it, owes me that. So I basically just ran for the area and basically stopped caring about a lot of... Uh, stopped being as cautious, I would say. And eventually I did beat the Phalanx, which took, I think, two tries for me because I just, because the game started getting weirder for me after that. And once I finally beat that first boss, things started happening in the game, like the Maiden in Black basically telling me to go find the monumental, which I almost immediately forgot. So, and then eventually I did the, I think I made the Souls rookie move that everybody makes in Demon Souls. You go to World, you go to, world dash one two mm-hmm. and you and i eventually just went right to the tower and i eventually
0: yeah it's uh it's that one two is such a huge roadblock because i mean those those dragons are just going to harass you throughout the entire level and if you don't know if, if, you, yeah, if you're coming to that and, blind it can be very very difficult
1: like you don't even know how to level up at that point so the game was like very designed, designed very obtusely. It wasn't until I finally got to like, I figured out how to level up, how sec- uh second world, uh, can boss completely without leveling up. But oh, when wow. I finally got to the so I, I, yeah, because I didn't know how to level up and I kind of just forgot about the monumental and I didn't realize the, uh, parts of the cathedral and the Netzis were actually open. So overall, like I think that was kind of like my once I figured out how to do things in Demon Souls the proper way, I eventually just basically just found myself like falling in love with the game because things started as obtusely as they were put together, they started to make sense. And over time I grew to love the game because as I figured out like some of the mechanics of the game, it allowed me to like, kind of like enjoy the finer points of the game, that the game was, uh, was able to offer. Like it's atmosphere, it's music. It's the, the level design above all, as well as like just the general story, how it presented itself. Cause one way, how I tell everybody to like to go play demon souls. Cause I still think there's not a lot of people who do play demon souls, I like to present it as like it's basically a darker, more messed up version of King Arthur and his Holy Grail (laughs) uh, search. So
0: (laughs) that's interesting. I'm curious uh, with so many since you were having so many problems with it at first and like not being able to figure it out. Was it just that kind of grudging? This game owes me something because I'm playing it that kept you going to for you to get to that point where you could appreciate it, or was there? Was there enough in the game itself that you were kind of curious about that it, it drew you further?
1: Well, when I went back to it, like there was a point where I did stop playing it for a while. I said to myself, like I said, the game owed. I felt like the game owed it to me. I because back then I was a. Hu- I'm still kind of a big trophy collector, but I was way bigger in collecting trophies back then than I was now, mm-hmm. and I felt like the game deserved owed me what, at least one before I can complete it, because back then you weren't allowed to delete trophy lists off your PS3 if they were at 0%. So you would have this game just sit there for the longest time at 0%. So,
0: gotcha. It kind
1: of was like this pile of shame that, it, that would always look at you there. So I at least wanted 1% stating I did get one trophy, and then I was going to drop it. But after I beat Phalanx, so there was enough that intrigued me to keep going. And I it's, and because there was like a new area, there was like new things to experience. Essentially,
0: gotcha. So, how long uh, did it take you to pick up on the fact that like of the weird way that this game tells stories? Like, did you were you starting to look at item descriptions and things like that? Or with it with being in 2013, like there was so much already out there on the internet about Demon Souls. Were you like were you looking on the, on the internet for for clues and things like that?
1: Uh, the only thing I looked up was, was trying to figure out what the heck the world tendency was. <laughs> <laughs> but I think everybody does that.
0: I, uh, I I don't think I could explain what world tendency is right now. Like I couldn't. Well, let me rephrase that. I could explain what it is, but I couldn't really explain to you how to explain to you how to manipulate it reliably. <laughs> Besides, you know, you have to kill yourself every once in a while. <laughs> That's really it.
1: Yeah, like in I didn't really know too much about even when I looked it up back then, like in 2013, I. Like when I was looking at when I was looking up, I still couldn't figure out what the heck it what it, what the heck it was. So there wasn't really anything I looked up as far as like the way how this game told its story. I wasn't too against the way how I it told its story, because as somebody who liked Resident Evil games, like Resident Evil, old, especially older Resident Evil games, they had like this tendency to tell its story. Not just for uh, for interactions for with characters and cutscenes, but they had they always had these lore notes or apocalypse logs essentially, and they would t- always tell like their like the story of like how this person came to be here, how this how they ended up being trapped and how they ended up ultimately dying. So, uh, reading item descriptions wasn't really too too obtuse to as a way of getting. A story almost it was kind of like just taking me back to like older resident evil games which i missed and adult, and adored uh at that time and still do to this day interesting um, how so, long did
0: it take you to to finish the game roughly i don't know if you remember or not
1: uh i started it went on ps plus in like august and then i eventually ended up trying to play it in like I think I tried to play it in like de- like October and December. I know I beat the game in like uh I think the date was November 23rd 20, uh, 2013. Um I know this because uh the tr- I would sometimes look at my trophy list and that's that's a number that For some reason, Keith's coming up. I could probably look up the trophy right now, and it would tell me. But I did beat it within 2013 um, 2013 of November, that's for sure.
0: Okay. So uh, after that, uh, were you inspired to go after the rest of the Soul series? Because you're you're right before... Um, so I think that's shortly before Bloodborne came out and shortly before Scholar of the First Sin came out. So were you, did you go back and look for Dark Souls or anything like
1: that? No, actually, funny enough, I didn't move on from Demon Souls for the longest time because, like I said, I ended up falling in love with the game. So I decided like, well, I'm going to go for the Platinum Trophy. And needless to say, that took over a year, <laughs> well <laughs> you, over a year. <laughs> you were
0: doing it legit, I'm imagining, like you probably because it's some of that stuff is easy to do if you have a friend just hand you the stuff that, that you need.
1: Uh, I was doing it legit, but uh, I won't lie. I think I cheated on some of that and I had to do it all by myself, too. Hmm. So no, no, I think no the, I think appear, so. I'm pretty sure I did do everything legit, although I would say I probably duped a number of things because I didn't find out about like the stockpile dupe dupe glitch until like, I think six months after I beat the game. <laughs> <laughs> and then once I learned about that is like, OK, this is going to make my job easier.
0: I was talking about this. And it still took a long time. I was talking about this with a friend of mine recently of uh on whether or not those dupe glitches like because for me Demon's Souls is the type of game where okay I can dupe like some upgrade materials and I can dupe some healing items but it's not like it's going to break the game for me right like I'm not I'm not doing the Diablo thing of like I can just spawn in infinite weapons and you know not have to actually go get them or anything like that Uh, so like using the dupe glitch to me isn't isn't in Demon Souls like if it's obviously it's cheating, but it feels like it's just kind of filing off the the rougher parts of that game for me as opposed to ruining the game, which is what happens to me a lot of times when I start cheating in a video game. Like, oh, now I have infinite gold, so there's no point to play it.
1: Well, <laughs> as far as that game, as far as that, uh, as far as duping goes, I think once you have to farm, uh, pure <laughs> pure was it pure bladestone i think all bets are off at that point
0: <laughs> yeah that's the roughest one in the game definitely
1: i had the spa i that one i had the farm for at least three months no, I, no joke i had to go in and log into the game in like i think three or four hour sessions and i would just do nothing but farm and hope that i got pure bladestone and that was for three months straight jeez That's rough. It was pretty bad. Like I've heard people's like, yeah, that one's pretty, pretty awful. But no one's heard it like going beyond like, beyond like two months or even or that much. So I would say, as far as like the dupe goes, it's one of those things where I don't mind it being in the game because, ironically enough, it doesn't corrupt the game. It doesn't break the game in in the sense that you can't. You can't progress after a certain point or what have you. It's, it actually is ironically a stable glitch. So I don't really mind it too much. It's actually probably the reason why Demon Souls lived as long as it did for like the various community-driven like return to the Netsus and all that stuff because it made things slightly easier to build. But at the same time, you still have to do things in the game. You can't. The game doesn't automatically become easier just because you have like a certain level of uh, of souls that you can just do whatever you want with you still kind of have to beat the game you still have to go do like some side quests here and there you still have to find things yeah and I think duping just helps help the game in the long run although I do believe that in in a, the like a hypothetical demon souls remake slash remaster I do think that is one of the things they have to get rid of. Yeah,
0: I've, I go back and forth on a Demon Souls remaster. Like, obviously, I want that game on modern day consoles and with working servers. Like, that's that would be the ideal to, for that game. Uh, I, I wonder though, like, it's so like it, there's so many ideas that were half-formed and so many kind of weird things that they did in that game that I believe that they handed it off to a remaster company. They would either have to completely recreate faithfully or almost get rid of in the process of recreating that game. And I I would almost want it to come over warts and all like even like I I don't want them to fix world tendency because I just kind of want the game as it was if that makes sense like I don't I don't want like a, an easier to play Demon Souls um uh, leaving uh, you know, oh, or leaving past I thought the about
1: the <laughs> I thought about that for a long time and I said and I've said to people I kind of just want Demon Souls remaster to come over in its purest form mm-hmm. I don't really want them to like tweak the. Uh, tweet the magic to be weaker or buff something here or make the game easier in a sense that in the sense that let's make the game just the enemies a lot easier to beat or just do things like make a nerfing the heck out of like a uh, magic for like PVP purposes or PVE purposes. I kind of just want the game in its purest form. Exactly. I don't, yeah. aside from maybe like, three glitch three glitches in the game that I want fits one of the two of them in world in in world four and world one uh four one simply because of like I hate to b- break the hearts of all the uh the speedrunner, speedrunner people but we have to like I would fits all the uh the skips in world one in four one. Where you could just basically skip more than half the level and just go right to the boss. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) So
0: yeah, those don't like glitches like that don't particularly bother me because it's um, I don't I don't ever really actively engage with stuff like that. Like if I'm playing the game, I I generally kind of have in my mind what I want to do. So I'm not I'm not really gonna take I'm not gonna use one of those kind of glitches just to skip you know all of four one unless I'm doing some weird. Yeah, but sometimes for me
1: it's like I would do it and then I would think to myself there's really no reason to go the other way around. There's <laughs> gotcha. a beneficial item to go that way. So as I succumb to it once to me, one too many times.
0: Sure. So once you, I'm surprised that you came out of Demon Souls after playing it for a really long time to get that platinum without some sort of like weird, like kind of almost hostile relationship with the game or with the series. Like when did you decide to pick up the the next game that you played?
1: Um, ironically enough it was bloodborne if you can believe that uh i did play dark souls and dark souls 2 like in between there faints to a friend of mine mm-hmm. but uh the one i played in full was uh bloodborne cuz i dis- cuz i knew i was going to get a ps4 i just didn't know when and once bloodborne got announced i decided that was going to be the time i wasn't going to get it and i got it like a month be- like 2 months before demon souls before bloodborne came out mostly cuz i there were games already on the on the system that i wanted to play and as a primarily uh console uh console player i just decided like to get it beforehand before actually getting it um, that well, way i just didn't have to worry about looking for a ps4 at the time
0: before we get too far into uh bloodborne i'm curious when you played dark souls 1 and dark souls 2 um why didn't you get as into them as you were with Demon Souls? Was there something different about those games, or was it just kind of a timing thing?
1: Um, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, mostly because uh, I didn't at the time I couldn't afford them. At, I, I there was something, there was just something uh, different at the time. I was still playing Demon Souls, and I want and I kind of wanted to again. I was still going for platinum, and again that that took a long time. But on top of that, I was playing other games too. Like, I tend to play a lot of RPGs, and those take up a lot of time too. So it was just a matter of like I just didn't have the time for a new Souls game. I felt at the time. Gotcha. So it, and it wasn't really like I had I hated like Demon Souls, uh, or I didn't or that I hated Dark Souls in comparison to Demon Souls. I thought Dark Souls was a well put together game there were like art if artistic things that i didn't like about demons about dark souls that i preferred in demon souls like the way how your character looked as an undead as an undead character it's like it kind of was off-putting a little bit more it's so like it just wasn't aesthetically appealing sure whereas like in demon souls you were kind of like this uh translucent phantom which i always appreciated and in the game, so you were able to at least appreciate your character model that you put time into making Whereas the whereas in other the Dark Souls games you're pretty much just an undead monster.
0: Yeah, for ninety nine percent of your time in that game you're just gonna look like a hamburger. Like that's that's just it. Yeah. Well let's let's talk about so, Bloodborne. Uh so you have a brand new shiny console, you have this brand new from software game. What was it what was 'cause jumping from demons to Bloodborne, like there's a there's a pretty big evolution in those games between them. What was it like jumping into Bloodborne? Did you have any more difficulty with it than you did demon souls or would you was it feel like you were kind of coming home a little bit
1: um i got thrown into a meat grinder <laughs> as i like to say <laughs> okay because i don't think i think everybody who played bloodborne at first really can agree that bloodborne was nothing like anything that came before or since so you had to like there, outside of the fact that there was no, there was no, there was no parry mechanic to say the least. Outside of like uh, your gun movement, there was also no blocking. So anything you were hitting, you got hit. Generally speaking, you got hit because you were not really paying attention. So there was a lot of things you had to worry about. So going into demon uh, to Bloodborne, uh, it was just a new learning experience uh, all all the same so i didn't so i had to like kind of just learn relearn how to do fiends all over again almost but everything was still pretty much the same like i think uh i fought demon i fought bloodborne's uh i fought bloodborne's eye frames and rolls were almost as good as demon souls cause, like i don't think it's appreciated but demon souls has like almost god tier levels of like frames with when it came to rolling and nothing's nothing's come as close as i feel to the de- to demons as far as it's rolling bloodborne's like the closest but it's in a different sense
0: yeah I, demon souls is so nice once you get that below 50 percent equip load and you can just roll through like 90 percent of attacks it's really really nice
1: yeah it was just uh kind of amazing when you think about that it it doesn't help that uh it doesn't help that, like, uh, I think, like, and if I remember, I right, in Dark Souls 2, It's been a while since I played it, but, but if I remember, I, right, it was all dependent on, like, a, which I don't really. Sometimes I wonder about, like, From Software, the the way how they balance their games, which I have a, if anything, that's where my I have a love hate relationship. It's not really the game; it's more about like how From Software chooses to, the game with within itself, like how they. Ch- how it chooses like meta <laughs> almost. Yeah. So. It's it's
0: interesting to see them over the years, uh, because with Demon Souls and Dark Souls One, there were hardly any patches that were like really based around PvP. Like there was some like weapon adjustments because weapons were overpowered, but it wasn't really like we're going to change the way the backstabs work or anything like that. And now we're all the way into Dark Souls three and it feels like Almost all of the adjustments, I think, is what they call them, or patches to the game since Star Souls three was released, is are basically for PvP purposes or to balance PvP. So it's interesting that they've kind of taken that—that's that, become a focus for them, whereas it wasn't in the past.
1: Yeah, and i I don't know how I feel about it. I err on the side, like I just kind of just just lead, kind of like, I just kind of err on the side of like, just leave the game alone. That's kind of one reason why I, I kind of like another spiritual sense. Almost like a, I guess you could say brother from another mother, which is uh Niho. I ended up uh, really loving the game, but as, as a, uh, was it uh team ninja? Uh, Tarha started messing with the game more and more mm-hmm. and eventually PVP getting introduced and it kind of like nerfed a lot of like, a lot of the things I loved to PvP, PvE wise, I kind of just stopped playing the game almost. So I didn't even finish the game, unfortunately, which is which is sad because I did enjoy the game. But a lot of the, uh, I guess you could say, a lot of the uh, the weapon adjustments that they did in the game kind of turned me off from finishing it. Sure. And thankfully, that's that hasn't happened with any of the any of FromSoft's uh, decisions, but there were times where it's gotten really close for me.
0: Like, and did you have a specific example? I'm just kind of curious how that plays in the FromSoftware side.
1: Uh, if I remember right, it was uh, in Bloodborne patch number zero one point zero four. if I remember right. That was when they introduced the whole the way how like uh, pvp matchmaking worked and how pve matchmaking worked essentially or just how co-op worked in general Mm -hmm. but um i remember distinctly getting angry at that time because i used to i did do a lot of pvp and like bloodborne and eventually it got to a point where people just started like this was before they introduced the whole concept of uh, level scaling, essentially, where they would scale down your level.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: To the well, there was a point where they didn't scale. They didn't do that, so you could have like a level fifty person co cooping with level one hundred and twenties, and you could literally just gank a gank a person that was uh, even lower than that. So it made PvP not very fun and i didn't exactly like the co-op such uh co-op aspect of like having to basically uh basically you were where you would get scaled down cuz it just made it made me feel like my character was not my character essentially so it felt like i was almost having to operate a, some big lug of uh machi- machinery that i didn't know how to operate essentially gotcha. so it don't so so whenever I know there's somebody who's at a lower level than I have. I am. Um, I tend to, I tend to make a, a character at that level and basically match out the level level ranges for various people, so I can just don't have to worry about that ever again for me.
0: I'm, I'm curious. Um, going back to you starting Bloodborne a little bit, uh, the the there's an obvious change of setting, right? Because you know, Demon Souls is a kind of medieval. Fantasy world versus Bloodborne's a little bit more modern and a little bit more monstery take. Uh, was there? Do you have a preference for either one of those? As you were started to play the game, like was was one more interesting to you on the surface than the other?
1: Not particularly. I I went into Bloodborne because I did like uh like horror games essentially, and I did like I said I loved Resident Evil, so I thought this was basically going to be a lo- a very big uh kind of like sent up to the old old werewolf games like the man, like uh wolfman and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it did retain that but once i once the game unveiled itself as being a Kafulu night of Kafulu h p lovecraft game, I was kind of shocked that it ended up being that and not in a bad way i i'm not i will admit I'm not the biggest uh hp lovecraft uh, guy not because i've i hate the guy or i hate the words that he's done it's just i don't i've never read most of his words i only know his works by sheer osmosis almost yeah so when the game unveiled itself as basically being a lot of like love letters to hp lovecraft it kind of just made me want to learn more about it so if anything i appreciated like the change in setting and i think a lot of people still do even now
0: yeah it's um it it's nice to get away from that that stereotypical like you know castles and forest even though we have a a, a castle and a forest in bloodborne but you know what i'm saying like it's it's good to get away from um that that kind of era and and those kind of weapons and things like that's one of the things that i i enjoy the most about bloodborne is that the all of the weapons are just so different than most other games that you play. Like, you've got standard swords in there, but you also have some real wacky stuff that you can use, too, which I really appreciate.
1: Well, I think the setting, a change in setting allowed for that, too. Mm -hmm. So, rather than just being, like, a simple sword, like you said, even the simple swords that are in there, they, they have their own gimmicks, too. And they have their own, like, different stats. Like, most people don't... Probably do use, like, the... And I think the this goes down to, like, one of uh, Bloodborne's best and worst aspects is the gem system in Bloodborne. Which I spent, like, the better part of a year just researching on my own personal time, going into chalices and things like that. Because there was a point where I just went into the chalice, uh, chalice dungeons and just farmed looking for various chal- exotic chalice, dun- chalice gems and looking for different effects and... Some of some gems that still elude me to this day but kind of just wanting to learn about like the ver- what gems various did and if you had the right gems you can create like so many different weapons mm-hmm. for various different purposes that it kind of like underrates like the Bloodborne's like battle system almost that you don't really have access to those gems cuz most people will never get the get the gems that like That will require to get the get the most out of like Bloodborne's maximum damage output.
0: Yeah, it's strange that you have um that they they included in the game all of these weird gems and these weird gems all these weird variants of weapons so that you could, you know, put different gems in them to create different builds essentially, and then hit all of that stuff away from the player in the main game totally. Like you could I know and I know a lot of people just play Bloodborne and they get, you know, those Three or four plus ten percent or plus twenty percent, you know, weapon damage gems that are in the in the main story game that you can find, and that's it. Like they, they just won't to even touch chalices for a couple of different reasons. So it's always been strange to me that they they it, that system went so deep because I was like you, I, I went through a, a a period where I was doing nothing but doing chalice dives. It was and it was a lot of fun, and I just wanted to see what what kind of weird stuff I could get, but I didn't really need to to beat the game. Like that was just me wanting to play more Bloodborne essentially.
1: Yeah, basically. And I did it mostly because I wanted to make my time in the main game a little bit more easier. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing it mostly for selfish reasons, PvP reasons, but also PvE reasons, just kind of like if I wanted to play the game over and over again. And eventually the game was going to will max out in difficulty, but it was still going to get harder and harder. And once the DLC ended up getting announced, finally, I kind of had an excuse to keep doing chalice dives because eventually, once they introduced blood rots into the chalices, there was even a better, there was an even better reason for me to keep going in there to look for like more exotic gems.
0: Yeah, I just, I kind of just generally like the chalice dungeons too. Like I know that they're not. Uh, I think if you accept that they're not peak Souls-level design, right? Like, we're not going to have a a crafted 3-1 experience in in a Chalice Dungeon or anything. But if you you just want to play more Bloodborne and you just like exploring weird spaces and seeing weird stuff, like, the Chalice Dungeons are are really good for that. And I think there's a lot of value to be found in there. I'm very, very sad that there's such a, a public outcry against them. Because I know that we're never going to revisit that. Like, they're there's never going to spend the time that they did on, on, making something like that again. Because people just seem to not care about it at all, which is a bummer. Because I would have, I would like to seen uh, Chalice's 2.0. I think they could have done a better job on the second, second run through.
1: I think so too. I do think like their main, the main problem wasn't that. I think it wasn't really the level that design. It was just getting there was was a problem, even for me who like pretty much knows. Most of the chalices inside and out, it still takes like a, it still takes like eight hours for me to get into like, the the uh, the FRC chalice dungeons, which, honestly, I I do think like if you're as somebody who's done the chalices, like I think on four different characters, uh, I even I can have my patience uh, can run out at that point.
0: Yeah, I definitely have a, uh, I have a a couple of chalice diver characters, but I'll, I'll probably never. I don't know. It would take. It would take. Like I I don't ever see myself going like, okay, like I have a new Bloodborne build. It's time to go do all of the chalices again, so I can go through and do all that stuff. Like I just, at a certain point, I could just go pick up my skill build or my arcane build and go have fun with the without having to spend that time unlocking it. So yeah, there's. It also
1: doesn't help that there isn't like some sort of like chalice uh, chalice gem trade almost because I think that would have incentivized at least a little bit to basically. I mean we make new builds with different chalices, mm-hmm. so because I've always said like uh, the perfect way would have been like to basically put chalice gems in like this hypothetical chalice so that another build could possibly go into this chalice and beat bosses in order to unlock those gems on that character essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I so. into that.
0: My idea and uh, for fixing a lot of Bloodborne's problems too is. Uh, if you if you beat the game the first time then if you start another character then you have access to all of the weapons uh that you unlocked in that first game so instead of your your standard starting three you can pick just about anything else that you found because that's another one of my frustrations with bloodborne when it comes to wanting to replay it is a lot of the really good and interesting weapons are are buried pretty deep like like, it would be fun to start from scratch and do a complete beast claw run and see how that would work. But you have to go fairly deep into the chalices to get that, and that's a pretty significant amount of part of the game. And Bloodborne is already kind of a short game, <laughs> so at the point where I don't even get my preferred weapon until I'm 40% into the game, like, it's kind of a bummer.
1: Yeah, and you can't drop weapons either again. Yeah, absolutely. Which feeds into the whole idea of, like, being able to drop gems, too. I think they that was just one thing they just didn't want to do. In this particular game, because you're supposed to like bond with a game like I feel like if you were making a new character, your character doesn't really start until the second playthrough almost. If you wanted to do like a a character that did nothing but beast claws, essentially. Like you would by the time you got to the beast claws, your character isn't really done yet. It starts once they wake up on the child the operation table and that's your playthrough essentially with that character Mm -hmm. starting on its own.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like I should, I've talked so much about bloodborne now, especially with this podcast that I just, I want, Hey, just from soft. Let me, let me just help you fix bloodborne. Like, (laughs) let me, let me do it. (laughs) But in so many ways that game, um, it, it seems so weird. Like the PVP elements of bloodborne and the co-op cooperative elements of bloodborne seem almost like it was totally tacked on. Like, I feel like a lot of that game was developed with the idea of just being a single-player experience, and then all of the multiplayer stuff came after they realized, like, oh, wait, no, no, people really want multiplayer stuff in Souls games now. We have to do this.
1: Well, I've always felt like the PvP aspect of it was just... It just was supposed to add to the, uh, the PvE aspect of it. Like, you basically have a sentient character that's just another obstacle for you to overcome in, the, in this game. So, I didn't really mind it too much, but there are times when I've asked asked myself, like, you put you have this PvP experience in here that mind you, when I first experienced that in Demon's Souls, that was almost like a, it was almost like a divine revelation that this was actually happening in a game that was primarily single player for me for the longest time. So, to have this PvP experience almost feel like they're trying to it's almost felt like since Demon Souls and even, or at least as early as like the, after Dark Souls, it always felt like they were kind of like trying to scale it back almost.
0: Absolutely, so, and yeah. it,
1: and with the additions to like Arenas and things like that to the game, it almost it almost feels like they they've almost got kind of like given up almost.
0: Yeah, I I, I keep saying this, and uh, it really feels like everything that I loved about Dark Souls One PvP specifically and the the weird trolley things you could do and the kind of weird imbalance, but also the, you know, you have to be human to be invaded so you could just basically turn off PvP anytime that you wanted to. Uh, they, that was totally on accident. Like, that was lightning in a bottle. And ever since then, they've been trying to figure out, like, no, no, we want this, but we just want it to be quote-unquote fair. And it's just, I think it's gotten consistently worse across the series. I know people love Dark Souls mm-hmm. 3 PvP and I'm not taking that away from, from them, but for me, like, that, the appeal of that stuff was the the weirdness and the strangeness and the, the kind of trollish aspects of everything.
1: Yeah. I think it in demons and bloodborne in particular, it got particularly, as you said, it had that weirdness to it. Cause you had these new weapons in there. It also just, it was also very easy to not get invaded in bloodborne as well. Once the the bail maidens kind of like became a physical thing. So it kind of became harder to like, basically, like get any PvP almost in the game.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: unless you were like later in the areas where the Bell Maidens themselves would automatically ring on ring if you were playing online. But even then you can still kill the Bell Maidens and it would be a lot harder. There was a there was a point where I used to like where I used to basically did what I called uh Edgar Invasions. Okay. Where where I basically in like in the Nightmare Immensis, I would sit on the bridge next to the uh, the choir, choir intelligence Edgar himself, the uh, the hunter on the bridge. That you would have to run after getting dealing with the spider. Damn. I would literally just camp there and ring my red, ring my invasion bell and just sit there for hours on end, just waiting for one invasion. <laughs> eventually, that kind of, and eventually that just kind of became my thing, where I would just sit there. For, and hope to and basically invade with Edgar essentially.
0: Nice, yeah, I, I love those themed or uh, gimmick invasions. Like I had a uh, I had a Mildred gimmick that I would invade in Upper Blight Town in Dark Souls One to kind of give people an idea of what they're about to get into when they get to the lower swab, which was always a lot of fun. Just a terrifying naked lady that you know just chasing you all over the place.
1: Yeah, and on, ironically enough, it's I have to give a shout out to an NPC. Of all things, because he's actually the he's actually the reason that I uh, did what I used I actually did in Bloodborne, which is probably my biggest discovery in the game. I wouldn't say I have like I contribute a lot of things to to the Souls community, but if there's one thing I was particularly proud of was the discovery of the the secrets of the Choir Bell, which is something I've like kind of like uh, hung as a badge of like honor almost in my YouTube channel. Cause uh, there's a, because arcane was such a like kind of a hard, really hard build, and mo- almost nobody ever did it. Mm-hmm. Like as somebody who did almost nothing but arcane builds in Bloodborne, I ended up discovering like mini things with the choir bell thanks to that character, and eventually I ended up doing only runs just to see interactions in the game with it found like almost almost a lot of like lore implications that the choir bell would have one of the nastier things that i've always told people that i've that i've told people who were still like streaming bloodborne is that if you're an invader in in bloodborne and you you're able to use the choir bell you can actually heal uh, the npcs and other characters with the choir bell itself It's you... Character to those uh, other NPCs so you can't heal them so you can get into like some really nasty almost like trollish uh, PvP situations as well another good way was to heal was to heal Edgar on the on the bridge so people who were trying to kill him I would just heal him essentially
0: yeah just keep healing. <laughs> because they're healing might as well let Edgar heal too
1: <laughs> yeah it wasn't Granted, it it required that bell required a lot of like, it required a lot of uh, Q, uh, it required a lot of quits over bullets. But if you blood bullet all the time, it kind of made that uh made that deal a little bit easy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was a big fan of blood bullets for everything. Uh, I want to before we get too far, uh, before we run out of time, really. I want want to talk about Dark Souls One and Two as well a little bit. Did you go back to those games after you were kind of done with Bloodborne?
1: I did eventually, um, I knew, I knew a friend that basically after that allowed me to let me play them a little bit. And I even played like dark souls three essentially, but I know ironically enough outside of like dark souls one, I never finished any of them. Like even, I think I don't know what it is about like the games themselves, but I never found myself like ever like being compelled to like kind of want to complete them. I don't think I it, I think part of it was I just wasn't invested in the, the game's lore and like the game's world. I don't think they were very well designed from an art standpoint, even though I think the games are very beautiful and I think they're well put together. I just never felt like the games really from an art standpoint never stood out to me like um, like Demon Souls or even Bloodborne. I think it might have been just like with that, like first impressions uh, from like Demon Souls. It really left a powerful one. So I saw like Dark Souls one. I never finished the other Demon uh, Dark Souls games. Like Dark Souls, I was pretty close on Dark Souls as uh, release, and I played like forty hours of it, and I eventually just stopped after a while because I just got bored.
0: <laughs> you just weren't. You just didn't care about it.
1: Bloodborne's mobilities. I was the excuse I had.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Well, I'm, I'm so, curious as but uh, I never.
1: Uh, but again, I just felt like the game was well put together. Just never kept my interest, unfortunately.
0: Uh, I'm curious as somebody who put a lot of time into Demon Souls, but uh, and and Bloodborne as well. Um, with the announcement that Dark Souls Three was the last Dark Souls game um, outside of this, you know, upcoming remaster, obviously that just got announced. But um, what? What kind of stuff do you want to see out of From Software now? Like what what kind of games do you want to see them make? Like do you want them to go back to the Demon Souls well or, or or what are you looking forward to? Them?
1: Uh I don't know. I really don't. Like I know that like everybody's like hyped up on like that that one trailer that came out of like uh the VGA's. What was it called? Uh, Shadows Die Twice. Two's- Oh, shadows died twice. I saw so many people like getting excited for like a 15 second video, claiming whether it was a uh, it was Bloodborne or Tenshu or anything, and I just I just couldn't be bothered to be even be excited. It's like almost I almost consider it like fanaticism of the worst kind, almost because I feel like this is like we're not even we don't even have like a, t- a proper title for the game, so. I don't think it's going to be Bloodborne I don't think it's going to be uh, Dark Souls I don't think it's going to be anything we're expecting I literally feel like it's going to be a I think it's going to be a new IP mm-hmm. and I almost feel like once it gets unveiled people are going to be very disappointed once they find out what it is but um, as far as like games, what they want to make I feel like they should make whatever they feel like they're comfortable doing
0: What's your dream game like for I, them?
1: A Resident Evil game?
0: <laughs> really? Like a Resident Evil style game, or just like an actual Resident Evil game?
1: An actual Resident Evil game? Like um... I feel like I almost want to. I almost want from software to tackle again uh, tackle a Resident Evil game with like sensible mechanics, almost mm-hmm. like actually not obtuse mechanics, like an actual health bar like, cra- a crafting system of some kind. Something more grounded in the sense that something we see all the time. But with, like, their their way of, like, handling things from, like, the way they treat their player base as far as, like, online and stuff like that. But I feel like if they were to do a proper horror game that was more modern, I feel, I feel like I would want that. I would kind of want to see how front software would it uh, would tackle a an actual like horror setting like a zombie outbreak almost or something more closer to like classic uh to classic horror almost. I know Bloodborne is like really close to that, but it wasn't exactly that. It was more leaning towards it was more leaning towards uh HP Lovecraft which is more cosmic in nature. Sure. I think I almost want something more supernatural but classic almost, like a Dracula. I guess people after Bloodborne, uh, their big uh, their big desire was uh they want from software to do Castlevania, basically.
0: So, yeah, with Kanehurst in the game, it's 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 hard not Because I mean the Castlevania games are great, but man, the fashion that you could bring to that from a from software perspective I think would be really interesting, really fun.
1: Yeah. I almost I almost wish that they would just I almost wish I could just get the license to Resident Evil and let let them do <laughs> the next do a Resident Because yeah. I've never, I haven't been really feeling like the the last couple of Resident Evil games from a game from mostly from a gameplay standpoint. Because I I think all of them are just kind of bad. This, well, I shouldn't say bad. It's just they haven't been keeping my interest almost. And I like I like shooters, but I've just never been. I just never been like uh, on board with uh, Resident Evil being that much of a third person shooter game or even a first person shooter with the latest game so
0: yeah I haven't um, just... I haven't played Resident Evil 7 yet but uh last night on Twitter somebody uh sent me a video from it and asked me if the accents were accurate because I live in South Louisiana and I guess that 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 game takes place somewhere in a fictional South Louisiana town and so there's a bunch of uh Cajun people running around and who oh boy, those accents are pretty bad. <laughs> From the one guy. It was just not realistic at all. It was it I imagine was, not. Yeah, it was it was very bad.
1: <laughs> I, I I imagine that it really just matched what everybody fought. So, uh, what uh South Southern people uh, kind of sound like or back war. Mm-hmm. Southern people sound like in Louisiana, but I'm pretty sure Louisiana people don't talk like that.
0: They they don't so. like it's it's. I mean, there's some really thick and hilarious accents down there, but that that just was not one of them. Like that was that seemed all over the place. It seemed like a dude that was like really trying to do. It seems like someone had watched um, like the X-Men animated series from the 90s and been like, oh, I can do a Gambit and just did a bad version of Oof. Gambit. <laughs> so it was like a bad version of a bad version of an accident. So anyway, that's totally off topic. I'm so sorry. Uh, Wadalu, thank you very much for, for guesting on the podcast. I know it's been a while that you, uh, since you contacted me originally, and I'm sorry for the wait. But uh, thank you very much for waiting for me, and I appreciate you coming on.
1: No no problem, no problem Thank you for having me on It was worth the wait And I appreciate you, uh, all you've done for us uh, And done for me By letting me guest on your podcast
0: Where can people find you on the internet If they want to look you up?
1: Um, you can find me on Twitter um, That's the primary way To get, it, get in contact with me My Twitter is Dollowr, As in D-O-L-L-O-W-R That's the way you contact me on the most reliable way to get in contact with me. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, which I really just don't do anything with anymore. (laughs) I mean, I I do things with it, but it's not like I'm trying to corner the market of, like, getting, like, becoming YouTube famous. I just post a lot of, like, random videos that I've recorded of from my PS4, and you can still find my old Bloodborne videos there, especially my, uh, If you could, I would appreciate everybody to go look at my uh, video of like, it's called Secrets of the Choir Bell. It's a video where I basically went through the entire game and trying to find as many things as I find that the choir bell can actually be used on and be effective for. And one of the things that I always found very interesting with that bell is that you can actually kill hunters on their deathbed with it so it's got a lot of things in it i hope you would find that interesting if you if you're in the area just leave me a comment saying thank you
0: is that uh Dolo R as well on youtube
1: it's dollar relance that's d-o-l-o-w-r-l-a-n-c-e okay and it shouldn't be too hard to find like i'm the only dollar relance on there and i'm usually the only dollar on well so gotcha hopefully it wouldn't be too hard to find me so yeah
0: i'll I'll include a a link to that in the show notes as well
1: yeah so uh again uh thank you for having me on the tour on podcast it was it was interesting to talk about uh to talk about souls in general so yeah yeah yeah, this was
0: this was great I'm, i'm really glad you uh you came on so thank you again i uh as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at J.G. Greer. You can find the podcast at Don'tGiveUpSkeleton.com. That has links to Patreon. It has links to my Instagram. It has links to Facebook and Twitter and all of that stuff. So you can find all of the ways to support and to contact the podcast on that website and that's again don't give up skeleton.com thank you for all of the recent itunes reviews uh they've been very very nice and to make me blush when i read them so thank you so much for that it's really really nice that you guys are enjoying the show that much and remember don't give up skeleton That's all good. This was great. Um, I didn't hear any weird issues with the audio or anything, so this should be a pretty easy edit. And uh, like I said at the beginning, I'll I'll get you a really copy and uh, let you know when it's going to come out. Sure. Yeah, this was, it was good. Finally, getting to like talk to you in person, man. I, I feel like we've uh, been in the same Twitter circle for a long time, so it's nice to put a name, put a, put a voice to the name, so to, so to speak.